You're listening to the Seaworthy Podcast, Episode 9. Seaworthy is a podcast about building successful software. Today we're talking about democratizing data research and hiring through value-based interviews with Joe Raza from KnowledgeHound. Andrew, I'm excited to have Joe Raza on the show today. He's currently Director of Product and Design at KnowledgeHound, a data retrieval and visualization company based out of Chicago. Welcome to Seaworthy, Joe. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be on the show and especially on such a, um, like a historic day in our country's history. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Hope everyone listening got out and voted. Absolutely. <laughs> I just recently... Uh, Got got in from the polls myself. Yeah, I was up bright and early at 6 a.m. to try to beat the crowds here in Chicago. They can be uh, quite lengthy. Oh, I bet. I, how long did you have to wait? Uh, just an hour, but I mean, an hour at 6 a.m. was it was long enough. Just an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I think I waited 10 minutes, and I was planning on no wait. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, Green Bay for you. Yeah, different population numbers. Yeah, Joe. So can you give us a brief background on on who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Yeah, so the, the long story short is I was born and raised here in Chicago. Uh, I went to Iowa State for my undergrad uh, degree in uh, graphic design and came right back to Chicago where uh, I got myself into uh, the advertising and design world. Uh, I left that world after about three and a half years uh, and started to go from this world of working kind of for an agency to really taking the reins of my own career and started a, a little small design studio here called Frequency. And that was a culmination of, of just wanting to, wanting to have more control over my relationship with clients and the mm -hmm. overall vision of, of, of helping small businesses um, understand how important design and branding and communication design can be. And so I ran Frequency for the better part of six and a half years. And along that journey, I worked with companies large, like a Walgreens and a lot of really small startups here in Chicago. And I really went from more of a web designer to more of a design UX, UI uh, thinker. Uh, and that led me to where I am today, where I met KnowledgeHound about three and a half years ago, and they were uh, just this budding idea. And over the last three and a half years, I've been working uh, to build this company and to execute on a vision. And we have an, a great little small team here in Chicago, and we're just looking to grow the company and continue on a, this journey uh, that is you know, entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, thanks for that background, Joe. Of course. Um, so what do you do outside of designing work? It sounds like you kind of, you know, you went to school, you came back and, and have had your hand in a few business ventures since then, you know, including your own and Knowledge Hound and I'm sure um, some other smaller ones as, as many of us do. Um, what, do you, what do you enjoy doing outside of designing work? Yeah, a great question. Uh, you know, and, and design is definitely sort of spread through a lot of different parts of my life, not only at work and, and outside of work, but uh, you know, some of my, my biggest passions are uh, playing the drums. I've been playing the drums since I was two. Grew up in a, a pretty musical family. Uh, my father was a, a drummer. Um, so that, that continues today. I still play in a band. We play a couple shows a year, and it's a really fun 
a different kind of creative release. Um, and outside of that, uh, I'm a big snowboarder, avid snowboarder, which uh, kind of ties into traveling. Um, I think exploring and seeing different cultures um, has really helped me to empathize with different users better. It's a kind of a weird, weird tie-in. Um, and I like to cook. So, you know, tie-in with cooking, I like to eat. <laughs> um, so all these things that uh, outside of work somehow uh, manage to all be creative in and of themselves. Yeah, definitely. And we actually met not – I don't think we met at – Epicurance of the Montus, but we actually met through the network on on the Slack channel. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, and so that was, you know, quite the time snowboarding out there. I think we got maybe two to three feet of fresh snow overnight the first yeah. day. And that was, I mean, that was a dream. That was the best snow that I've ever been in. <laughs> best snow, best conference, if you want to call it a conference that I've, that I've ever been to. I mean, just to, the, the gathering and, and everything was just so spot on for you know, not only my personal lifestyle, but just what I want to get out of uh, an event like that. I mean, it was really great to make some real, real connections. And, and you and I didn't even meet there, but just by having that community, we were able to meet afterward. And it's been, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Big props to Dan Petty. If you haven't heard of Epicurants, I definitely check that out. I know they have a, a big group one. The Montus is, is a one that we went to is about 300 people, I think. Um, yeah, it was big. And so I think he has another one, another announcement coming up soon where you can go there, bring your team. It's more of like a getaway and it's a, it's a non-conference. So you meet a lot of people, um, you know, like, like Joe and I met, uh, I guess aside from that, but you know, a lot of people you snowboard, you connect and, um, super valuable to, to grow your network and just meet cool people that are passionate, not only about design, but like you, you know, passionate about snowboarding and drumming and cooking and all these things just passionate about, you know, zest, zest for life, which is, which is really cool to see and surround yourself with. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the, the great takeaway about that and surrounding yourself with a lot of different people, but there are a lot of things uh, that you all tie back to one another. So um, it's really interesting when you surround yourself with a, a, a vast array of, of people, but all tied together by this thing we call design. And uh, yeah, it was a really great time. Very, very enriching. Yeah. So Joe, you told us a little bit about how you got into design. You went to school and came back to Chicago and kind of got into the ad agency world and um, the arts type stuff before you got into product design. Can you tell us a little bit more about Knowledge Hound and how your role got started there and maybe even more about the company and how they, how that got started? Yeah, sure. So Knowledge Hound was started about four years ago from a, an, a key pain point that our founder, Christy, was having at a Fortune 500 company um, where she was working there on the Insights team. And, and this problem was that she had an incredibly difficult time finding data points and finding research that supported um, questions that she, would be, that she would be having in order to answer questions. So for instance, the sales or the marketing teams might be looking for questions and she had to go and try to find data to support uh, to support an answer and she found it really difficult to do so and she also saw that in this difficulty when you can't when you don't have an answer to a question oftentimes the solution was to go and conduct another study mm -hmm. and only to find out later that you actually did have data it was just stored on someone else's hard drive who maybe wasn't in the office that day and so she goes this isn't right we need a wholesale change on how this industry is storing 
analyzing, finding insights, and not just the data. It's really about insight activation. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and I think not something that that we see. You know, as UX designers, you know, we rely on data quite a bit and derive some insights from that. But, you know, something that's even larger scale where you've got teams of 10, 20, 50, 100, you know, potentially doing backgrounds, uh, you know, research on all these different um, industries on the different customers. And I can imagine the, the nightmare that it is to keep that all streamlined. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just that, you know, what we're really trying to do here is it's about data democratization and the more people in these companies that have access to the same data, so the same central warehouse of data, the more powerful that is. So, you know, if the sales and marketing folks, instead of emailing you questions or bothering you at the desk, for instance, can just simply log on and have access to that, well, now that frees the research teams up to actually spend more time doing what they're good, good at and doing mm -hmm. research and analysis. Yeah, absolutely. So it started about four years ago, you said. Do you know... Uh, how soon, uh, I guess, how far back did you start at Knowledge Hound? I actually was, I came in and then was introduced to Christy and our other co-founder at the time, right after they met. So at the time when I got brought on, they said, you know, we're looking to build this website. We have this idea. And it was, a, I would say, at best, a rough prototype of a basic search engine that returned some results. Mm -hmm. And so... I very quickly had to, you know, dive into this world of market research and understand the problem, who we, who we were trying to solve this problem for, where their pain points were in their journey, and then build this experience. Um, and it was, uh, and so, you know, I was in right at the start. Uh, there was just a team of four of us at the time who started all of this. And mm -hmm. here we sit almost four years later and where, uh, 11 strong now with, you know, various amounts of job openings that we just posted. So big period of growth here. Uh, and it's been a lot of learning along the way going from four to 11 even. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exciting to, to see something kind of go from the idea to, you know, to something that's in the market and something you're actively iterating on. Um, was there any specific validation process or maybe some key indicators that um, yourself or, um, you know, any other team kind of saw in the early days that said, hey, this is, you know, worthy of pursuit or, you know, a specific milestone that you guys met and said, um, you know, we're going to do this. Were there early customers? Can you tell us a little bit more about that environment? Yeah, absolutely. And and part of, you know, being in, in product is trying to understand that the, at the beginning of the product market fit. And luckily, we, we definitely understood that there was a problem. Um, did we understand that the execution was was really the, the execution that was going to solve the problem. And so what we were looking for, our, our earliest adopter of Knowledge Hound, the, the prototype, or the MVP, I guess, mm -hmm. they, they sent us an email kind of early on where someone was able to log in and find a data point from a, one, of the, one of the studies that had been loaded in. And in less than say a half an hour we're able to respond back to a client mm -hmm. with an answer to a question about a, a product that wasn't performing very well uh, and that process would have taken them easily a day if not more and so we get this email back saying you know knowledge hound is 
you know, blank, blank and awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, from that point forward, even even though it's a low sample of one of one data point, one one little tidbit of information, you know that you can extrapolate that and you know that you have something. And so that was our kind of early validation that we had. We had a Fortune 500 client. We had an MVP product and we were already getting back success stories. Mm-hmm. And so then it was really just about honing the, the product strategy and really engrossing myself personally into the the industry and really tackling the issues that these market researchers and insights folks face today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can start to see that, you know, in this case, it's about providing the value, right? It's the value of, you know, the speed of access, you know, getting back to a client and also... I'm sure on the researcher side, the pain and agony it would take to, to spend all day searching through, you know, printed files, through, you know, digital files, uh, you know, oh, talking yeah. to people and just being ineffective in the process. And who knows how many other people they have to uh, kind of nudge and interrupt along the way to try and find this data. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the process, it was so broken. Um, before Knowledge Hound, and even what we're trying to do today, it's it's very the other side of all of this is it's very complicated to to sort of teach not old dogs new tricks, but it's it's really a behavioral change as well as as building an application that does something different. And so we're doing you know on top of building product, we're we're trying to build supporting materials and processes that sort of help people retrain their behaviors in the way that they think about uh, their knowledge. And so we're breaking down not only product barriers, but also, you know, verbiage barriers and people trying to put us in buckets uh, and call us something that we're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's been really interesting being on the design and communication side and the product side of how we're solving all of these uh, communication challenges and, and how we're selling and how we're making the product, does the product support what we're going out there and selling? And are we doing a good job, you know, retraining people to think differently? And, and it's not just about storing information. It's really about insight activation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, we a lot of times get put into this big data bucket, if you will. Uh, right. And we're not big data. Uh, a lot of times, uh, People like to put us into a knowledge management bucket because that's an industry term Mm -hmm. and knowledge management is a real thing. And there are there are companies out there that are solving that problem. But knowledge management is just one piece of what Knowledge Hound is as a platform. And in order to have activation on insights, you have to well, you have to do a good job. It's it's storing and and uh, managing that knowledge. But that's just the that's just kind of the first layer for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you have all this data. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of how, you know, someone comes onto your product and, and what, what the experience is? You message, uh, you message, sorry, I'm going to start over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You message. I was going to say you mentioned. Um, all right, I'll start from the top with that cool. question. Yeah, so you mentioned you guys do a lot with big data and, and you do manage some of the knowledge, but that's that those aren't the two buckets that you guys fall into. That's part of, you know, the whole process of, you know, getting a user from, you know, uploading their data into it, whether that's, you know, manually or through an API, and then taking, you know, 
getting an outcome, which is being able to act on specific insights that data provides. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process at KnowledgeHound and how customers uh, work with you on that? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a great question as well. Um, one of the pieces of KnowledgeHound as a SaaS company is the service side of things. And so what happens typically is number you know one of the hurdles and the first hurdles we face as a company is uh, the the process of taking the vast amounts of knowledge and getting that from the customer uh, into KnowledgeHound. And so we actually have a dedicated customer success team that mm-hmm. we work with to to get the the data, the historical data that exists already into our platform. And we also have a service that helps to clean the raw data files. So not only are, do we have a product that is in and of itself kind of disrupting the, the market research space to use a kind of like a trendy term, mm-hmm. but we're also going about it um, and creating guidelines on data quality. That's, that's something that hasn't existed. So you have various research suppliers that all kind of format the data output their own way. There's there's nothing standard about it. And so KnowledgeHound's also created these standards so that we can get more out of a raw data file than the type of format that customers currently have. And so when we show them a side-by-side, as we often do, we can say, here, the way that you had this raw data file allowed you 10,000 different types of data pulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing it in KnowledgeHound, we're going to give you a, a multiplier of that. And it kind of blows their mind. And we do all of that for our clients. So becoming a client and handing over, say, 100 to 200 plus historical studies, mm-hmm. uh, we take we alleviate the pain there for our client. So as soon as we can get it, we clean it, we load it, and all they have to do is log in and they have access to it. Yeah, that's that's very cool. And in one of our past episodes, we talked with uh, Brian Reith of Handshake, where they manage a, a lot of data and, you know, they onboard universities to their platform. And I think the commonality here is that they have a dedicated customer success team as well. And, you know, I think it's really, you know, it's the messaging combined with, uh, you know, the SaaS platform and then also, you know, the human component of, of that communication and educating and advocating customers of, you know, you can actually get more out of this data. Um, I think that's that's really cool. And that's uh, it's cool for me to uh, see and hear about companies that are doing it that way. It seems like human first is the way to go. Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't love good customer service? I mean, regardless of what it is, if it's, you know, Comcast or uh, a little SaaS company, everybody loves like a good human experience. And, you know, we really helped, again, to alleviate this this new process for everyone. They're, they've never done this before, and we do that for them. And then moving forward, the benefit of KnowledgeHound is that moving forward, we work directly with their research suppliers mm-hmm. to directly ingest the data from the supplier into KnowledgeHound, completely removing the need for our clients to have to get involved in that process. And so all they do is go is conduct the study, study gets conducted. When the study is done, it's returned to us in our format and we just alert the client that hey your new study is in knowledge you know go go check it out and go ask questions go read the research um, the research summary document to find out key findings uh, and it's it's a really smooth process it's really what we're trying to create here is the whole like front to end the the start to end kind of 360 uh, approach 
Seaworthy is brought to you by Headway, a product-focused team for hire. Headway helps companies validate ideas, build out products, and grow through experimentation and technical execution. If you have an idea that you're looking to gain traction on, or a current product you're building that needs expertise with product design or development, check us out at headway.io and let's make waves. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned while building this over the last four years? I'm sure there's a lot, but um, oh, yeah. you know, just some of the, the key ones that you think are kind of indicators of you know your current success and where you guys are going in the future. Key lessons learned. Yeah, this is always tricky because, well, not tricky, but there are so many lessons that learned along the way of starting any business, especially for myself in this particular instance. I don't come from a market research background, in mm-hmm. uh, w- which some ways I think has actually really helped me uh, because I, I don't have any preconceived thoughts on how things should be. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the biggest lesson has been that you don't necessarily, when you're growing a company, need everybody or want everybody to be from the industry uh, because the variety of backgrounds that people bring in learning a new industry or learning new information, uh, they can oftentimes ask the right questions as to, well, why are we doing that? Even as a company, uh, we continue to question, well, why are we doing things this mm-hmm. way? We can, we can eliminate a step for our users by doing it this way. Um, yeah, and another big piece uh, of, of sort of just some really good learnings over the last two years um, has been how critical um, company culture is and how building company culture from day one along with the product that you're so, so heavily focused on building is how critical that piece is and can sometimes be overlooked until the, the, the company has grown um, grown, um, but having those pillars of a mission of values, uh, and having values that are actually actionable and traceable and things that you can hold people accountable for, um, have proven to be extremely helpful in building knowledge hound. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been, because we've had a clear mission, a clear, um, clear company values has allowed us to hire the right people. And I think hiring, is one of the biggest challenges that most startups face, hiring the right people. Um, you know, at, when you're a team of four or five, when you're hiring one person, that's a large percent of the company at the time, mm-hmm. um, even 10. Um, and you just, you really almost can't afford to get it wrong. Um, I mean, you can, and, but the the pain that you kind of go through and the debt that you might incur as a result of, of that um, can, can really drown your momentum a bit. So, one of the biggest pieces that I've learned through some uh, some some training that we went through uh, in 2015 is just really around how important culture is and communication uh, amongst the the core team members as you grow. And we actually just went through another round of this. So we originally did our company values when we were about five people, uh, and now we're 11, Mm-hmm. And we're going to about to go through another quick growth phase. And it was it was worth uh, a full off day um, of the entire company to get together and really think, like, are these still our values? Is this what we want Knowledge Hound to be? Um, is this the, the mission that we're on? And uh, what is our vision? And align this core now 11 to that so that as we grow, um, it's really set in not just the full original four or five, but but all of us. So I've. 
kind of been talking for the last couple of minutes about culture, but I think number one most important thing that I've learned um, through my experience here at Knowledge Hound is is that I just had no exposure to prior. Um, is that um, how important the uh, a values-driven and uh, company is? Mm-hmm. And I think something that I've brought to Knowledge Hound is really this idea of, of a design-driven company um, and, and design-driven uh, culture. Everybody here feels like a product owner. And so I might be the only product guy at Knowledge Hound or design um, person, but everybody has been empowered from day one to be a product manager, to be a product thinker. And that has really helped us to... Uh, um, to figure out to identify opportunities mm-hmm. uh, in not only our product but internal ish, uh, internal things, and we we really champion that. So um, I was able to bring this idea about how design and UX thinking and UX practices about empathy to the user uh, and and really what those processes look like, how they can affect um, our customer success team and sales team. And how we look at the, that sales like lifeline, and along the way, are we empathizing at every every critical point for the person we're trying to sell to? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just been a lot around uh, bringing in kind of design design ideas into uh, into the company culture itself. Yeah, and I think that's really important for people to, especially designers who might be listening to this, uh, you know, might be thinking, well, how do I get my bosses thinking that design is more than just you know art and or the 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 colors and great typography on the on the front of the application but more ingrained in how we do business or how we talk to one another yeah and i mean that's that's a great point um you know a lot of startups i think miss miss this in the shuffle of get you know shipping things fast um not not saying that's bad i I think that you know, prioritizing learning is important, but at the same time, you know, doing it with the right goal in mind and the right values. And I think it's just part of that company culture. It sounds like that you guys have at, at Knowledge Hound of putting users first, you know, coming to the table ego free and, and really, you know, treating all ideas as equal, um, you know, until you talk about them and, and kind of ha- give everyone the opportunity to, um, you know, add in their perspective. That's why I think diversity is so important. Um, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You hit on another great, a great uh, key there is 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 uh, is diversity uh, and being open to everyone and anyone and the value that they bring coming again it could be just from coming from outside of market research um, that right. in, that insight once that person learns the space is invaluable because they look at it with a completely new lens and anytime you want to innovate in a space um, you know you can't do it from inside the rabbit hole you need to right. be able to bring yourself out of that and look at it from a completely different place and that's really sometimes where you when you get the person who was in the space and felt the pain and then this person who's just asking why all the time and sometimes you just stare at each other and there's a like that spark and you Mm -hmm. go holy cow yeah I never thought of it that way and we can eliminate this process that I used to have to do and we can add this feature to our product and some um, that's you know a little piece of I think diversity and backgrounds can can really benefit. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about empathy, you know, as part of your culture and just making sure that you understand, you know, not only the pain points, but the motivations, you know, and value that you guys create from your product. Are there some, you know, specific tools or methodologies or frameworks or things that you guys use to 
you know, help build empathy on your team and also, you know, for your customers and, and internally as well? Yeah, so in, internally, it, it, I can probably speak better to some of our, our internal processes just because they're a little fresher. Um, but, you know, so we, we've, we, we interview, we have behavioral interviewing that is all about connecting values to the, to the candidate. And so what we get is we get to learn um, about the, the people who might be coming into Knowledge Hound on a, on a much more personal basis than it is just looking at a portfolio or going through a technical interview um, and seeing if they have the skills. Yeah, so one thing we recently did at Knowledge Hound was we all took the, the Myers-Briggs test and that was really to kind of show one another you know, who we are and, and, you know, why we might be the way we are. Uh, that was really helpful uh, in, cr- in kind of creating empathy toward one another. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we're all, we all kind of left that session looking, uh, looking at each other um, with a new, a new lens of, of empathy. Uh, and I think that's really important. And, and my job as the uh, director of product at Knowledge Hound is to communicate to the rest of the functions uh, you know, what, you know, what, what are the, the pain, the pain points that our, our users are feeling and, and why, uh, that's done through a number of ways by either writing, you know, requirements, documents, or, or just specs, or, uh, during weekly standups talking about experiences that people might've had in the application. Um, a lot of this stuff is also captured through our customer success team and, mm-hmm properly really creating a, a feedback loop with them um, because they're on the forefront. They're, they're talking with users uh, in the chat who are having trouble and they're getting emails about successes. And so the more that we can just have uh, like really good feedback loops of communication and things that just don't go into a Trello board or into an email bucket, uh, the more that we uh, communicate outward to the rest of the functions, the better off everyone is for empathizing with our users so that even down to our engineers who are doing code, they're not just thinking about lines of code that they're writing. They're actually mm-hmm. thinking about the, the, they understand the why they're doing it um, and, and what it is to help. And a lot of times, even down to the engineering level, we'll get, um, you know, hey, if we, this design is great, but if we did it this way, or we added this thing on, I think we could actually make it easier. And that's just, that's the kind of that's the kind of place you want to be when when other people are kind of working outside of their zone because they care and and in order to care you need to know why, right? Yeah, I, I mean we talked about a you know a little bit more, but yeah, empathizing is so key because then people understand the value that what the work they're doing is going to provide in someone's life, and I think you know when you see companies that aren't culture rich you know, people are pretty siloed and and it's all about the hard skills and people don't get to use their emotional uh, IQ to, you know, help make something better when they have the possibility to. So Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, emotional intelligence training is, I think, was one of the most eye-opening experiences of my my recent professional career. Um, Really diving deep into who I am and my fellow teammates uh, and learning what it is to be a leader who has mm-hmm. and displays emotional intelligence uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, if, if people haven't either read a book or taken a class and understood what that is, I would highly recommend that. Are there any specific books that you would recommend? I don't because I actually took, uh, I went through a, an eight month 
uh, course here in Chicago. It's called okay. the, the Junto Institute, uh, and all the uh, Knowledge Hound at the time went through it. Um, I don't have any specific books, but there are plenty out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anything quite replaces trying to find time to uh, engage in either a, whether there's a meetup group that talks about it or um, whether there's a, there are classes in your local city that kind of touch on that topic. It's really, I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you mentioned you guys are hiring pretty aggressively right now, right? You're growing the team. Yeah. Uh, with every team member, the culture grows. You mentioned that you look for really like a value fit when you're um, when you're looking for hiring. Is there anything else that, that kind of helps you guys hire as you're looking to kind of you know, accelerate your growth quite a bit more from 11, you know, to, I, I don't forget what you said, maybe six positions open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, luckily, luckily for us, uh, we just, you know, we closed our, uh, our latest round of funding, you know? Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're at another phase of, of some rapid growth. And, and I think again, touching on what I said earlier, growing, um, hiring can be, a pretty big block for small companies. You know, we don't have HR departments. Uh, we don't have recruiters working for us. And so that time gets sucked out of hiring managers who are actually trying to do work. So, well, you know, we, we definitely use a, a fair mix of our network and recruiters to help just fill the top of the that kind of candidate funnel and get people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really starts, it's really about our process. And we just adopted a new hiring process um, one of our most recent hires was really passionate about hiring. And so we let them run with this new idea and this process is already paying off uh, dividends where um, we have, um, you know, we have value-based interviewing and that helps us to identify people um, are the right culture fit. And we have the technical side, which is fairly common and um, for most technical-based um, positions. Uh, and outside of that, I mean, that's it. We just keep, we just keep kind of rolling and talking with one another and regrouping on people. And it's, it's really helped us to kind of adopt this higher, slow mentality, but higher rights. So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that we just take our time and sit on our hands until the perfect candidate falls our way. Cause that can always be a, you know, waiting to feel this feeling in your gut about some, about a certain person, um, isn't really what, um, the, the method that I think works mm-hmm. the best, but yeah, having this, having more of a structured, um, hiring plan, um, is really helping us to, to find the right people a lot faster than it used to. I mean, it used to take us up to eight months to find an, an engineer here in Chicago. Um, and I mean, that's just not sustainable when you're trying, <laughs> right. when you're trying to grow fast and build features and you have, you know, users that are chomping at the bit for this next, for this next feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned value-based, uh, hiring as part of like the initial step, you know, before you get to tech, is there a specific, um, name for it or that, I'm just, that, I'm, that's yeah, I'm the, pretty intrigued by it. Yeah, sure. So I mean, that's what we call it internally, values based interviewing. Uh, and so essentially what we do, I could give you a little insight into the process if you're interested. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have a phone screen and the phone screen is a, a little kind of basic phone screen. We, 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 the hiring manager just checks to make sure that, you know, the, the, some of the technical baseline fun, foundational skills are there and, you know, that you sound excited and personable and, and positive. And then from there, what we do is we actually have a foreman who is in charge of the, the hiring process from then. So they, they pick 
we have uh, seven company values. And so what they do is we'll pick three, three people in the company and they're totally random, randomly selected by the foreman. They come in and each interviewer gets two values that they interview on. And so I might have the value own it and customer obsessed. And there are questions that we have in our hiring docs that are like great baseline questions to ask on those values. So then I interview on my two values and two other people interview on two other values. And at the end of the day, we all meet and discuss, you know, the outcome of our, our interviews. Right. And so everyone has a different interview and then thus a different take on the candidate. Um, and that really helps us to kind of get off a holistic 360 perspective because you're not only it's not just one person on all six values it's three different perceptions on two different on on a, a various values it really it's really paying off quite well yeah so so one person might get a really good indication that you know these values that uh, they're questioned on or uh, interviewed about you know they rank very highly but on these other two they might not exactly yeah, yeah. and then you talk about why um, was it you know, the last interview of the day and they've been in the interview room for five hours. Was it, you know, was there something else that happened? Uh, it, yeah, it's just really eye opening. And it's, mm -hmm. and, and again, like when you have new employees that have different experiences, diverse backgrounds that come in and want to make change internally, we really champion that. That's again, like own it is one of our values, but in this case, it wasn't owning uh, a task that they were directly had to do, like build a feature or code this thing or fix a bug or talk to a client. It was it was just that they experienced our hiring process, came in and wanted to see if we were open to changing it, and we were, and it's and it's paying off so far. Yeah, yeah, that sounds very cool. Well, I'm sure I'll uh, have some more questions for you once we get off here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, really good insight. Um, Thanks. So, where do you see? data analysis and visualization going in the next five, 10 years, there's like AI, there's machine learning, there's all these different uh, automation type things that you can do with data. Oh my, yeah. Want to make a, any predictions? What a loaded, what a loaded question. Uh, and, and timely, I don't know if I can make predictions uh, like Watson says they can, but right. yeah, one of the hot topics right now, I'm actually writing an article on it is uh, this idea of cloud computing and, you know, can, uh, is AI like a real thing? And some of our competitors in our space are are going out there and actually marketing that they they have cognitive computing, and hmm. uh, we actually have to to sell against that or sell to those questions. And and so what we're trying to do is 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 really understand um, where big data, and I'm using air quotes even though you can't see me, uh, <laughs> you know, artificial intelligence, cloud computing, and how that's all playing with our space. So. You know, there's a lot of data in the world. We are part of market research, and market research in and of itself is vastly different than uh, some of the the social data that we hear a little bit more about uh, as far as the big data space, right? And, and in order to do AI and cognitive computing, uh, you have to have a, a really large set of data in order to do that. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of our a lot of our clients don't, and so. Um, we have to sort of dispel some of those myths that know if we use IBM Watson technology, um, not hating on you, IBM Watson at all, but if we use you, it's not going to just be able to automatically predict what, uh, you know, the next thing that you should do when, right. when it comes to like, you know, washing habits, washing machine habits at, at, in the household in America. So where I see data analysis going 
is definitely more automated and that's what we're seeing and that's what we're trying to work toward and that's why i think you get things like um, artificial intelligence coming into play here is this data analysis becoming completely automated by a computer that can just tell you the answer to a question and you can almost have this google-like experience where you ask um, these questions and it spits out a story of like this is where things have been and where it's going mm -hmm. um, but what data analysis i think for us is going in the next five years is is more of a 360 degree customer centric view so it's not just about a data point um, in one questionnaire in one study it's about multiple data points that have been asked over time in disparate studies that you might not be able to connect the dots mm -hmm. to but computers might be able to do that and we're we're looking into leveraging technology that way um, but it's not also only about the raw data it's about uh, it's about you know videos and the 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 rich content that could be stored in a focus group video and it could be in a uh, a verbatim somewhere. Uh, it could be in a research document for a study. That's not even a raw data file. So what we're doing, and as far as the data analysis side of this question, is really we're trying to synthesize these various types of data inputs and output something that's more of a cohesive story for mm -hmm. for a data analyst or an insights person to then to then make a more educated decision quicker, and. On the visualization side, where's that going in five to 10 years? That's that's a tricky one. Uh, I definitely see visualizations becoming more uh, specialized right now. So, you know, instead of just having spreadsheets and bar charts and uh, heat maps uh, and some of the standard visualization sets that, at least in our in the industry of, of insights where they've been using and, and uh, we're starting to get a lot more um, targeted visuals that help to understand the data quicker and by someone with less, say, uh, statistics knowledge. And mm -hmm. so because KnowledgeHound is all about data democratization and opening up, opening up raw data to maybe people within the organization that don't have the training, the, the, the stat training on some of the, the survey reporter type uh, or SPSS type programs, uh, we're looking at making sure that our visualizations are are more specific and have a lot of guardrails around them to inform mm -hmm. to just to inform the user more about what they're seeing um, right. than just than just a bar chart and going off and making a decision without understanding the context around it right so somewhat more of a conversational type ui like recommendation uh... yep. Yeah, something more more human and more relatable than just the data. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest piece there for us is the is the why. Why are you seeing this, or um, what 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 might be special about this data? You know, is it weighted? Um, was it answered by everyone in the survey? Um, and all these sort of pieces that aren't necessarily tied to the raw data that you're in the chart, but that help to support what you're seeing. And it's really important that we we give all of the the certain all of the supporting information alongside it so how that affects the visualizations for us that's a for me that's top of mind all the time we we can't risk misrepresenting the data in any way because a, a potential million dollar decision could be being made you never know mm -hmm. yeah that's good um kind of as we come to a close here what advice do you have for startups that are looking to um, adopt a design driven company culture 
I would say start uh, start early if you can, if you're lucky enough to be, you know, one of the original, you know, kind of core team members. And, and really, if, if the founders don't understand exactly what that is, um, to help to, you know, there's a lot of, a lot that we do as designers that we sometimes don't communicate um, to business stakeholders. And I think there's a lot of value in understanding how, uh, you know, design empathy and design communication ultimately um, doesn't just have to be in a product that we're making, but can be part of an internal, the internal company culture as well. Um, designers tend to be really good at um, communicating naturally just from, you know, the, the training that we get in, in school and the nature of our, just kind of our, our society as designers. Uh, so I would say that it's just about communicating the benefits of what design and more or less design communication can do and bring. Um, I don't have anything other, anything to, I would say like no, no single quotes to put on a wall, but I think it's just really about constantly communicating with, uh, with the, with the top, um, people in the company and making them understand how design plays a role in bringing actual, um, you know, again, that company culture and, and helping to helping the broader business. And it's not just a, a practice. Right. Um, yeah, that sounds good. So where can people follow you in, in knowledge hound and learn more about what you guys are doing? Yeah. Like, pretty... where, where can people follow Joe and then, you know, <laughs> yeah, there? sure. Pretty, pretty easy. I, I'm actually not, all that, um, you know, I don't, I don't tweet a lot. I'm actually mostly on Instagram. Uh, I, 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 I enjoy, uh, visualizing my life a little bit. It's, it's a pretty, pretty interesting to go and look back and see the places you've gone and the people you've met and associate these, uh, images into experiences. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram, uh, at Jay Raza. I'm on Twitter at Raza, I have a website that has a little bit more background about me. Um, so yeah, people feel free to reach out. I actually really enjoy talking about design and talk, talking about anything and uh, sharing, you know, whatever it is I, I have that people find useful. So I love giving up my time for others. So if anybody wants to reach out, you know, it's uh, joe at knowledgehound.com. Uh, and, and my website has all the other, the other connections. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, Joe. Really appreciate it. Great insights and uh, just great learning more about, you know, the, the bigger side of data and what you guys are doing to help uh, customers. Yeah, thanks a lot, Andrew. It was really great to be on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again. No problem.